Welcome to the WP Builds Podcast, bringing you the latest news from the WordPress community. Now, welcome your hosts, David Wormsley and Nathan Wrigley. Hello there and welcome to the WP Builds Podcast. This is episode 146 entitled Refining Our Website Building Process with James and Martin Coates. It was published on Thursday the 19th of September 2019. My name's Nathan Wrigley from pictureandword.co.uk, a small web development agency based in the north of England. And just before we begin, I've got a few links I'd like you to follow. Please head over to the wpbuilds.com website and over there you're going to find a whole bunch of links in the menu at the top. But the first link I'd like to mention is the subscribe link. It's wpbuilds.com forward slash subscribe. If you head over there, you can join our mailing list. Got two mailing lists, one just to inform you about this podcast coming out and the other one about deal alerts that are coming up. And there's also links on there so that you can subscribe to us on your favourite podcast player. Join our Facebook group of over 2,200 WordPressers, all being incredibly polite and helpful, I have to say. And there's things like links to our YouTube channel and Twitter feed and all that stuff as well. The other link I'd like to mention is wpbuilds.com forward slash deals. It's a bit like Black Friday, but every day of the week we've got a whole bunch of deals on there. If you head over there, if you're in the, in the market for some WordPress plugin or theme or service, head over there because you never know, you might find a coupon code to get yourself some significant discount. People are making use of those every day, I think. So that's that's absolutely fabulous. And thanks to all the people who've contributed those coupon codes for their product. I'm, um, I'm sure our community are very appreciative. And the last one probably to mention at this point is wpbuilds.com forward slash advertise. It does help to keep this podcast going. The the revenue that we create from advertisers, uh, very grateful to those people who advertise. And uh, I would certainly welcome some more of you if you'd like to get your WordPress product or service in front of a wider audience, a bit like these guys have done. The WP Builds podcast was brought to you today by WP Feedback. Are client communications eating up all of your time? If so, check out WP Feedback, a visual feedback tool for WordPress that is specifically designed to get you and your clients on the same page. Check out wpfeedback.co and Cloudways. Cloudways is a managed cloud-based hosting platform for WordPress. Unlike others, they let you choose the server from top cloud providers like Google Cloud, Amazon and DigitalOcean. And there are no restrictions on the number of websites per server. Try Cloudways using promo code WPBUILDS and get $20 free hosting credit. And the Page Builder Framework. Do you use a page builder to create your websites? The Page Builder Framework is a mobile, responsive and lightning fast WordPress theme that works with Beaver Builder, Elementor, Breezy and other page builders. With its endless customization options in the WordPress customizer, it's the perfect fit for you or your agency. Go to wp-pagebuilderframework.com today. And we truly do, as I said, really, really honestly do. Thank those sponsors for keeping the WP Builds podcast going. Okay, what have we got in store for you today? Episode 146. It's called Refining Our Website Building Process with James and Martin Coates. Well, it's often David and I that are having chats about processes and things like that. But today we've got two brothers from the UK, James and Martin. They've got an agency called Impact Media and they go through how they did a recent project. They talk specifically about all of the wonderful tools that they've come across. So some of those are SaaS apps and then we also talk about the WordPress plugins that they have as their as their chosen plugin for a particular problem. And it's a really interesting chat. It kind of lifts the lid on a different agency. So if you're a freelancer or an agency only you might get some useful tips about how to do things and we take it in a sort of chronological approach so the first thing that we mention is the first thing that is done in the project and then we go through the project and the tools that they use to achieve it so it's a wonderful chat and i hope that you enjoy it Hello there, welcome once again to the WP Builds podcast. Thank you for joining us today. A little bit of an interesting diversion. We're often talking about plugins, we talk about themes, we have 
I don't know, people who developers on talking about the plugin that they've built and so on and so forth. But today we're going to be talking about process. And we have, all the way from Essex in the UK, we have two gentlemen, Martin and James Coates, who I met twice now at WordCamp in Manchester. Hi, guys. How you doing? How you doing? Very good, yeah. We've had, a, we've had quite a nice chat before this podcast was recorded, and we've talked a lot about a particular project that this couple and their company, Impact Media, which you can find at impactmedia.co.uk, no spaces, nothing like that. Um, because they've recently had a project that they've, com- well, I'll say completed. Let's let's use that word. I think it's nearly completed. And on this podcast, we never really dwell on the process. Uh, a lot of us are freelancers, and so we spend a lot of time working on our own process. If I was to work for a big company, a large uh, blue chip company, I would be told what to do all the time, and I would have to follow the guidelines. Whereas turns out as freelancers we've all got our own process so the guys today are going to talk us through a website build they did recently and the things that they used to get it from conception to completion and it's really interesting because it's it's a lot of the stuff they used is new to me you've probably heard of some of it but not all of it so I don't know who's going to talk first either Martin or James that's always going to be the fun bit who's going to interrupt who um Tell us about this little project that you've had going recently, or large project, uh, what it's been about, what you were trying to achieve, and what the brief was, and then we'll get into what it was that you did to to complete it. Of course. Hi, um, Martin here. Um, yeah, we had a, a client we've been working with for several years, and we've been lucky enough to do a, a rebuild for one of their consumer-facing sites um, several years ago, which actually introduced them to WordPress. As that's gone along with the rest of the company, um, they're a worldwide uh, company that's going over 110 years, and it was their big corporate site that needed doing, as well as their 24 other global sites. And at that time of discussion, they were, I believe, fixed, you know, um, separate separate sites. Being that we already got the client on board um, with WordPress, our aim was to deliver them a multi-site environment on WordPress that they could like overarching uh, control. Um, so the the task not only just came with kind of a I say a refresh and reskin, but also introduced um, lots of other requests in terms of stockist locators for their for their products. Um, they provide bakery ingredients across the globe, and a lot of them had their own products and recipe databases. So we had to work with them on designing the back-end interface of WordPress to get their content in, so obviously output it for the, for, the, um, for the public to view. And along the way, we obviously used a lot of tools, and there's several plugins that we, we use to obviously deliver um, the final, um, final project. Now, the project was split into three phases. Phase one was the, the corporate site, which is live, and that's um, backles, B-A-K-E-L-S.com. That's the uh, overarching site that then links to the subsites. And the second phase was to deliver the UK site. And that came, let's say, with more bells and whistles. That kind of had all the functionality, all the features, all of the custom work that they required built into that local site. And then the third phase was to take that second site and clone it for the rest of the world to use, but put their own information in terms of products, recipes, news posts and stockists and that is where we are with the project currently from south america all the way through to the philippines crossing china they're all logging in adding their content and what made it really good was obviously the tools along the way so let me know if you want me to yeah we'll we'll get onto that i think in in due course but needless to say this is not your like brochure website for the baker living down the road this is a um, a much larger affair. You've got a multilingual site, 25 sites, um, each with their own language and and user input data, which has got to be spat out onto the front end and so on and so forth. Um, so it's a big deal. How many guys do you have working with you in order to accomplish sites of this magnitude? It wasn't an easy project. Um, there's six of us in total. So everyone obviously, you know, done their bit. And, it, you know, it definitely was one of the largest projects we've done as a company to date. Yeah. 
Um, I when I go around the process of building a website, I I often find myself at the minute speaking with the co-host of this podcast, David Wormsley, and we we to and fro our processes, and and although we've got a very different process, we've got a fairly similar array of tools that we that we use to achieve certain things. We've got a, a suite of plugins that we always rely on, a suite of SaaS apps that we rely on, and he's on Windows, so he uses such and such a thing, and I'm on a Mac, and I use such and such a thing. So that brings me to this question. Let's go through the list of tools that you've been using in order to uh, in order to achieve this project. I mean, it's a given we're using WordPress. Um, is this current site? Before we get onto the list of tools, is it using multi-site now, or is it just a whole bunch of single installs of WordPress? It is a multi-site. Right. Okay. So we've got in front, I have in front of my eyes a list of the the tools that we've used. Many of them are SaaS apps. Some of them, as we'll get to later, are WordPress plugins. Um, Again, I don't know, don't mind which one wants to talk it through with us. But if you want to go through that list, possibly in that order, because it makes perfect sense to be in that order, what you use and why you use it, starting with the first one called Slick Plan. Yeah, also, to be honest, it, we're, Slick Plan is, um, we use it for collecting content from the client. So we're, we've been in the scenario in the past, we're creating Word docs and, and files and, you know, and if we're doing everything through email, we looked at a centrally managed system that if the client was to hire in a copywriter, the copywriter could jump in and provide content, provide images. We can help set up the sitemap and then create the actual pages that, we need content for under that site architecture. So it's not like, um, yeah, it's just basically reducing the amount of Word docs and and emails getting miscommunicated. And to be honest, it helps us when we're in our early wireframing stage. We tend to sort of work out a, a content outline and we help to inform the client what they should be using on the site if they need tabs areas, if they need this amount of text, et cetera. So after the wireframe has been signed up and we know this page might have this amount and a number of words on it, or it's got a slider, it's got a paragraph there. We can actually input that, uh, the field into Slick Plan to say that we need 100 words for this, we need a photo for here. Um, and really, Slick Plan is used to just allow the, the client really to log in and provide the information. And it's, it's pretty skin and bones as well. Yeah. It's, not, it's not overly complicated to use. And as I say, from the not been using it too long but in the last sort of 18 months um clients have been using that and seem to get on it relatively yeah. well yeah i've never i've never heard of this one i've tried uh oh the myriad different number of ways of getting this sort of thing done from from designing the the wireframe which i tend to do a little bit less than i ever used to um and then sending it off and then they would criticize it and then i'd do it again and then send it off and they'd criticize it and then you, you know what i mean it's that back and forward with email so the idea of this is it's one tool which you've you now favor and it does it's sitemap building uh it I'm just reading off their website at the moment, content planning, um, diagram making, and you can do mock-ups as well. But the best the best part of this is because you've got a team, you know, six of you plus presumably copywriters coming out of your, you know, the wazoo and, um, and graphic designers and what have you, they can all be given credentials and log into this one system just to give you an idea of what the site will look like before you actually start doing any real work on it. In, in terms of content, content planning, yeah. and yeah. I believe the guys here, the vet devs, there is a plugin so you can actually import that into your WordPress install out the box just to make life a little bit easier rather than a copy or paste or an export import exercise. Yeah. Was there any tool that you used previously that you fell out of love with? I can't remember off the top of my head whether it was called Site Tree. It was. Um, we've used Gather Content in the past. Yeah, Gather Content. But I think what the, it's Tris. Gather Content was a great, lovely system as well. Um, it it all depends on the type of clients and their expertise in it. You know, it's, mm. it sometimes needs to kick off and a bit of onboard training, like with some of the other tools that we mentioned later. But once they've got the know-how, it, it's fine. But in some cases at that time, I think this is going back a few years ago now, it was like Word doc days sending it in because that was easier. But you find things get missed off, and this is where this becomes much more managed, yep. and then you can lock it down and sign it off. Um, you know? Are you going to be sticking with this tool? 
Uh-huh. We've got no plans to move on to another one at this moment in time, yeah. unless James has any. <laughs> yeah, I like, I like new and shiny. So Yes, uh, that's the problem, isn't it? Me too. <laughs> well, well, Slick Plan originally was literally just used for creating site trees and site maps. So that's all we used it for, and we used Gather Content after Slick Plan. That's it was right. only when we developed this as you can add content to it now, it just seemed that we didn't need Gather Content anymore. And it's, you know, it's like any business, you want to reduce your sort of monthly overheads, and it was a probably a monthly subscription gather content. So if you've got a plug it or an app that does two things, it made sense just to sort of stick with sleep plan. Well, also you've got to think of the client because you don't want them logging into so many different systems with different login access because then yeah. it will cheese them off as well. Yeah. yeah, I was wondering about that because we are going to go through like a, a fairly small laundry list of plugins. And I, I was wondering about the, the sort of burden of kind of logging into this and then a couple of weeks later, okay, we finished that stage. Here's here's the next thing and here's the next thing. <laughs> but presumably, you know, again, like everything, if you write it all down and make it a process, those emails can be sent out fairly trivially. So we're happy with this one. We like um we like slick plan. Um I've never used it so I can't I can't speak about what I think of it, but you guys seem to like it, so I'll, I'll take that as a good one. So in the initial phase, the wireframing and gathering little bits of content from the client, SlickPan is your go-to. And then the next one on the list is probably something that most of us will touch at some point, whether that's us in-house doing it or getting somebody else to do it. It's um, it's making designs and, um, and so on. And your favoured weapon of choice for that, well, the first one you've got mentioned is sketchapp.com, which probably most of us just know as Sketch. Um, why that one? Why not Photoshop? Uh, well, we used to be, I'm a, I'm a proper advocate of... Uh... Photoshop and have been for, for many years that's where I started sort of visual sort of years and years ago and it was just uh, always having a large PSD file we had multiple sort of art balls um, that we've got you know a, a folder of say 30 different pages 30 different PSDs whereas when we got introduced to sketch you've got one file you can have mobile view tablet view you can have desktop view you can have each of the pages running side by side you can share symbols as assets it saved a hell of a lot of time. And, and with Photoshop, we just found the actual process to be quite slow. Um, you know, although they're, I think that they've integrated um, multiple artboards now, and I think you can do a lot with smart objects, so you can link files. But Sketch was already doing that, and it loads a lot quicker. It saves a lot of time, and I think it was about 2015-ish. I think we, we fully moved over from Photoshop to, to Sketch. We still use Photoshop for, if you've got to create um, clipping paths or... Um, you know, if you're doing some heavy image manipulation or something, we'd do that in Photoshop, but then ultimately you'd be importing that or, or copying it into to Sketch. And I think the, the other um, big factor for the Sketch move was the export features. In Photoshop, it's a little bit sort of fiddly to get sort of retina uh, images out, whereas Sketch allows you to sort of export individual assets and, and retina sort of ready um, images as well. So it's uh, it's been a big Big plus for us, really, isn't it? Time, good time saver. Yeah, there's a. It seems to be the like the the direction of travel. There seem to be a lot of people who are fed up with the Adobe pricing structure for their creative suite. I mean, not fed up, just you know, when there's an alternative like Sketch, which is super affordable, uh, and so many people seem to be adopting it, it seems like a bit of a no-brainer. I, I have it. I confess, I'm no expert with it. This is not my area of expertise at all. Design. Where did you where did you pick up the skills? How did you become adept at using Sketch? Was it like a YouTube binge, or do you have a course that you recommend? Or uh, Joe, yeah, one of the guys yeah. here used it. Um, our, one of our designers uses it as a, um, and I think he started using it in his free time. So when he come to work, he was using Photoshop, and then when he was creating stuff at home, he'd be using Sketch. Mm-hmm. Um, and he came in, he said, I'll oh, check this out once. And I think I overlooked it first and where you're no Photoshop is my baby. And, you know, I've completely, you know, we're not going to use it. Um, he would start do, using it for projects here. And it was only when sort of I, um, he'll be using it for projects anyway. And then I start using it and you force yourself to use it. And you see that a lot of the similarities of all these apps. And I think, you know, we, we're going to touch on InVision and things like that. There's lots of apps that do a lot of very similar things um it's just understanding where they keep that particular function and mm. around it, it's some of it would have been self-taught we mm. had linda training we had yes treehouse udemy courses things like that from time to time or google, google or google good old google, google. Still still google. To do something it's 
sketch app, you know, whatever it is, and it, it tells you what to do. So, um, yeah. my 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 opinion of sketch is that it's going to just sort of keep going and going, and potentially become kind of the default for people in in our industry. And obviously, you know, this is not something which the clients are going to be interacting with. It's it's difficult to you know sketch. Um, presumably, there's a career in being really really good. At using this app uh your clients are not going to touch it so yeah great i i totally appreciate that one we're doing some work for someone that um has their own in-house development team mm -hmm. and i know from this is this might help sort of listeners but i know that it doesn't work on pc oh. uh, because we, we've sent the files across to them and they they struggle to open it and i, I think that's when we introduce them to envision so you can kind of pull the assets out but um yeah i know for pc it's not a pc app it's just for mac there you go. I did not. I've been in the Mac system I for believe, so I believe, long right, I that um, I kind of don't even look <laughs> into that anymore. Yeah, yeah. We should probably check. Let's go to the let's go to the download page or something and find out. This is the funny yeah. thing though, because you come on board several years ago with it and it does evolve, and then you just you use it. So it, it may have had a PC one. You never know. Since it's one of those things, but we haven't got a PC here. So their site is seriously <laughs> nice. I really like the way their site looks. That's just it's not only Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> That's genius. Imagine if it was. Imagine the shame. <laughs> right, the next one on the list then. So that was basic um, sort of graphic design and what have you. The next one on the list is one that I've, I've heard of many, 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 many times, but never used at all. Um, and that's Envision app, which you, well, it's Envision, which you can find at envisionapp.com. I don't really even know what the, the, the proposition for this is. I don't even know why somebody needs this. What what does it do that, that the other so, software doesn't? So um, predominantly for the larger projects that require custom page template designs or very in-depth, for say, advanced or high-definition wireframing. Um, we obviously use Sketch, and then Sketch talks to Envision and pushes those files, and it allows us to then share the Envision screens where you can stitch together a walkthrough wireframe for the client then to have access to make comments. So it helps us in more of a collaboration with the client, and Envision have been evolving over the years because James mentioned earlier about the assets. So you could hand the Envision file over to a developer. They wouldn't actually need a sketch um, license. They wouldn't need to install Sketch because they can actually get all their assets they need out of Envision, even down to some of the, the style settings and everything. So we've found that to be really helpful, you know, um, with, with clients. We have tried other systems. We have tried one that's growing, I believe, called Avacode. Um, but at the time we were using it, it it's, again, it's probably a couple of years ago, it was being a bit buggy for us on some of the larger projects. Right. Um, and that's a very similar tool that, that does things like that and gives you kind of the styles used from your style sheets. But I think Envision's been a good move because Sketch talks to Envision. And then recently Envision, I believe, have bought a thing called Tracked Up, which is the next tool we'll talk about in a sec. So it's, it's going in the right direction. It's if, like, they're all making a nice flow. Okay. And it, comes, it comes into handy for the larger projects to, to, to sign off from a, from a design and wireframing perspective. Yep. Yeah, so that kind of that workflow for, for clients, once we've, you know, as Martin's mentioned, that we've done the wireframe and we want some feedback on it, Envision allows you to make those comments. So give an example of that one, um, the, the client, the multi-site um, global one that we developed, they wanted a product, custom product catalogue built, so we've done a custom product and recipe plugin in the back end. We mapped their existing database system, but we had to put things in place. And I'm kind of not getting it wrong because it would have been very expensive and timely for both parties if we did. So the wireframing was very detailed down to the values, the options to get a sign off. Because obviously from that, this is just the back end of WordPress, we got a sign off. The client knew all the fields, the options that were going to have, the requirements. It made the development a whole lot easier internally and also saved less questions at the end of, oh, I thought it was going to work like this, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. So were you using this before you came to Sketch or was it the was it the amalgamation of Sketch with this that kind of sealed yeah. the deal? Yeah, right? Sketch no, first. No, we were, no we, um, we were using... Photoshop, but from the oh, reason yeah. the, that Sketch and InVision work so well together is through Photoshop, we're exporting or saving sort of JPEG layouts of the individual pages, then uploading all the the pages to InVision and then putting them into the order that you wanted to to allow the client to walk them through. Right, now, more work. Pardon? Yeah. More work, stuff to do. Yeah, yeah. 
Sketch actually allows you to sort of um, automatically send the, you don't even need to export the pages, it automatically talks to InVision and puts the page together for you. So when you're doing revisions, it also sends that automatically and then creates a little history afterwards as well. Okay. If um, if none of this is making sense to you, uh, apologies, but if that makes perfect sense to you and, and yet you don't know how to do it, uh, check in the show notes and I'm sure these guys will get in the Facebook group and, and you know, make the connection with you and, and give you some information about how to connect Sketch yeah. with InVision if you want to, you know, um, if you want to demonstrate to your clients through the InVision app. There's um, a plugin called Craft. Craft. By InVision okay. as well. Okay. Yeah, well. that's what allows you to collect Sketch to InVision. Okay, great, great, good stuff. Okay, um, never use that one. Um, me being me, just one person, I tend to make the layouts and I'm quite happy to make those modifications. But then, then we move on to... So, okay, we've built the wireframe, we've done things in Sketch, we've shown it all um, with the syncing through Craft with InVision. We've got like a nice um, a mock-up. It's got all of the bells and whistles. We know what we're doing. And now we move on to something called TrackDoc, which I've never heard of before. What on earth is TrackDoc? So... After um, the, the sign-off of the, the visuals, it's obviously down to development. I, we haven't put any kind of internal tools for development and code and, and whatsoever, but it's when it gets to the point on the staging server ready for sign-off. TrackDuck is like Envision, but it allows you to walk you through the actual working gubbins of the site and make markup and comments. So we use it internally and also externally for clients to then make feedback because that's when your navigations come live, your sliders come live, all your transitional elements come live, and you can then use TrackDuck to make those comments and you can put links in to say, you know, if you have got something wrong or there's got to be a change, you can hyperlink to the reference that you mean and you can actually see a working example. So it's another kind of collaboration tool that, again, saves a lot of time than getting a big email with 400 million bullet points and not knowing what part on the page you're talking yeah. about or what page slide or yeah, 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 exactly. The third one down under the under the picture of the cow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, then you can obviously, with a lot of these, you can then assign those to task members as tasks um, to individuals and they can be marked off as completed, basically. So um, the, the, there's a quite a large gap between using InVision when that presumably gets you some kind of sign-off and the design is all good. Then you go away, the communication to some extent uh, disappears between you and the client and you've built it. And presumably at this point, we, we've been in WordPress, we've designed the site, we've got, it, we've got a, a working version ready. And then we use TrackDoc to get feedback about the site. How do we? How does TrackDoc integrate? Is it a plugin? Uh, is there a plugin? Is it a plugin for WordPress, or is it just like a snippet of JavaScript or something like that? So this one is a Chrome extension. I believe they might have a Firefox extension that installs. Um, you once you've set the site up and shared it with the client, that's all they need to kind of make the comments. Put a snippet of code in the site. Of- we we have right. to put a snippet of code in the site if you uh, if you're doing I believe feedback on mobile, something like that. Um, forgive me, it's more the developers. Sorry, um, but they for what we know, Envision have recently. Well, it's probably a year ago now. Have bought TrackDuck out. So whether there's plans to then make Wrong that idea. more synchronized you know without coming out and using another system we don't know if that's in the pipeline um but as i say i'm not sure if there's a, a wordpress plugin on it for tracked up i know there is a snippet of code for so, so if i'm a client and um and i visit this site and you've obviously instructed me go and install this in your chrome browser and go to the website what, what, what does that allow me to do can i literally click on parts of the site and then make commentary on that like okay i don't like that font on the 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 heading of that page uh the the red here is not the red i'm after i want something slightly darker and so on and so forth um can they actually just click and comment on the site Yes, they okay. can yeah, click anywhere. And like I say, if they if you picture from visuals, if you're then scrolling down the page or a slider's moving, it will then detect where on that page and, and drop that comment, basically, and you end up with a big comment list. Okay. Uh, and do you get like an email that you can then assign uh, to various team members and so on? Sort of like, this is your job. You do that one. You do that one. You've got it. Yeah. That's cool. I like that. I, I confess, I've got a... I've got a, a WordPress equivalent up my sleeve. There's one called uh, Project Huddle, 
projecthuddle.io, um, which I'm sure quite a few of our listeners have heard of. So it, very similar. You install a, a WordPress plugin inside of your main website. So in my case, you know, it might be wpbuilds.com. And then when your site goes to their website to inspect it, so long as they've logged in to your website, they get the same functionality and they can upload things and they can comment on things. Do you find... Um, do you find this step because this is quite a new idea isn't it you know this can't have been the technology for this didn't exist 5 years ago have you been inundated with like meaningless comments comments that really were best kept to themselves or do the, do the clients use it frugally yeah. and give you decent feedback or was it yeah. it depends yeah. on if that the, the advantage we like with these obviously it's nice always talking to client or you know or, or for feedback sometimes you can't always arrange them right time. So these sort of tools work well for them. They might be providing comments late at night if it's convenient to them. Mm. But then they might share that with other members and then you might get feedback that might not have been on the same wavelength, say, for your journey with working, say, with the, the marketing manager or so on. So you might get the odd comment come in, but then it's a good thing to say, yeah, I like the idea. We can put that on the backlog as a, as a feature request if you now want it to do this or, right. you know, things like that. So it's not the end of the world and it gets documented and either shut down or moved to kind of a backlog. Yeah. And do you curate who gets to make these comments? So, for example, you know, with your uh, the site that we've been talking about, this sort of bakery site, I'm going to call it, um, in an ideal world, one person makes those decisions, not a, an army of people who, you know, write conflicting comments on the exact same part of the website. The font's <laughs> wrong. Oh, I love the font. The color's wrong. I love that color. It's exactly right. Um, how do you how do you manage expectations and conflicts? Do you do you have a conversation with them, insisting that there's one point of contact? Or yeah, so with this uh, particular project, um, our main point of contact was the UK uh, marketing manager. He then liaise with other parties, but he generally, were, he was our main contact. And obviously since the, the launch of all the other sites, he's still liaising with those and it's worked very well because we can just get one yep. big list of things or feedback in one setting rather, like you say, than people saying the same thing over and over again. Yeah. How long do you typically allow this process to go on for? Do you give it like a week? Do you step away and do something else, um, you know, work on another project? Or are you reacting as these little tickets come in? Or do you kind of like leave it for a week and see what happens? It depends on the size of the project. But if you imagine a site, say it had, it, it, and also it depends if you're delivering it in phases. So sometimes we deliver things in phases where they might just get the home page. And then they'll provide feedback and we'll provide a window whilst we can provide design for two or three other pages. And it, then it's not too much for them to sign off. But that would we would only generally work on making the changes after it's all been closed off. So mm. that does differ, you know, but we wouldn't literally wait for a comment and work on it straight away because sometimes you remove the comment or see something else somewhere else and it wouldn't be, be efficient. So we kind of wait for all their feedback, lock it down, then book the changes. Yeah. It's interesting, although we've got a very different process and a very different set of tools, deep down we've got the same idea. Um, you know, we want things to work smoothly and we've obviously stumbled across a, a, a way of doing it. You're going to stick with TrackDoc? Um, any reason to move away? Is it has it proved to be worth its... Well, I was going to say proved to be worth what it costs, but I can't figure out what the cost is because all there is is a login button. I know. I think I think the plan we were on, I think it might have been 29 or 50... $29 or $59 a month for, for a certain tier that we were on at the time. Okay. Did run into some issues with it when GDPR came in. It was some weird thing that happened with the Chrome, Chrome browser we run an issue with. Um, and we needed to get some. We did raise something with support. And because we are under a bit of pressure with the client, I did use a, a, another t system introduced and called Zipboard, which isn't too bad. I think it's a, a developing company on there, um, but it's very interesting for what you mentioned earlier with your kind of project huddle. Um, I'd be very interested to take a deeper look at that as well because I like unlimited licenses. I personally don't like us having them x amount of sites and yep, or yep, being yep, restricted yep. to users and you know and so on. Yep. So I definitely have a look at that. But overall, I like the interface. I like how TrackDuck works and. Whilst things are great with Envision, I think it's still a good move to stay with them if we can. I think yeah. that every stage here, the actual philosophy of what you're trying to do won't change. The, the tools you may use may change over time because, like anything, someone will come out with a different feature that's quicker, it does you know something better, whether it's cost or whatever. And But the actual principle of this flow 
seems to be working relatively well. So yeah. you know, whether we stick with Track Duck uh, or move to Project Huddle, because uh, you said there's a, a 10%, was it? <laughs> 20%, 20% discount if you go to the WP builds forward slash, sorry, dot com forward slash deals page. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think it's worth worth mentioning. Thank you. That was a good plug like that. Um, uh, yeah, so the next one is, is something that I have used. Interestingly, David Wormsley put a post in our Facebook group about this just yesterday. Uh, because this is, um, I'm going to say a Chrome extension. It's more than that, but it's called Use Loom, but I'm just going to call it Loom. Um, and do you want to tell us how you use it, what it does? Yeah, it's been a fantastic tool. I know it's really simple when you think about it, but it literally is a Chrome extension that records a video and records you of a journey of a screen website. Recording. Screen recording. Yeah. Yeah. And then if you want to, you can turn your webcam on and have it a bit more personal. Now, we started using it internally so if we've got any internal feedback for the guys when they're on a project it's got videos because you're recording a video you can literally open another tab and go you know this needs this functionality on the site needs to obey this this and this um and then we've also used use loom links in the track duck feedback you know things like right. that it together yeah. we, sorry the, the biggest thing for this for again from a reader's perspective is when you're talking to someone and they say i want to make that button red and you're saying which button are you talking about the video enables you to hover the mouse and literally pinpoint which area you're talking about so again yes. even if you um weren't using something like envision um for, for your track duck you could use use loom yeah. um and record the video and say this paragraph i want this updated to this bit of text or something it just makes it really easy and visual for someone to understand what's going on yeah and then we, then we slowly introduced it more for feedback from clients as well so bearing in mind you're having a bit more onboarding and a bit more learning but it makes life a lot easier than a big phone call or big emails they can literally in their own time record a video and since we've done that try and do them at one to two minutes rather than 30 minute video <laughs> you live and learn <laughs> you know and it's just become easier you know or they might have an idea if you think of scoping out a new project or they've got an idea for a new feature they can each record a video in their own time show them what they need send it over to you we can watch it our devs can watch it everyone can watch it and get an understanding and then from that when we record training videos so we do a lot of on-site training remote yep. training yep. but then we do the bite-sized loom videos that go in the back end of their dashboard i've kind of given up on um emailing written replies to just about any client query and instead uh using the equivalent of loom i use loom a lot i also have an app called cloud app which it basically does exactly the same thing, but it also allows me to sort of like capture screenshots and annotate them a bit like something like a Skitch used to do. But it's the same principle. But I've never, never, I, and this was David's question, I never, never got a client to use it um, ever. And I think that's a really good, so long as you can coach them not to give you the 40 minute uh, extended play version, you know, the director's <laughs> cut of the uh, the problem with the red button um that's great i think that's ingenious I, I love it i absolutely love it and who who would have thought five years ago a tool like that would exist which is so ludicrously simple they've got a pro plan i think they've just yeah. released and they've also got a desktop app now i don't know what the benefits of those are it's probably you can annotate the the the, the you know the the video with text or something i don't really know but it, it, i'm going to throw another one at you i have another one called crank wheel which is a very bizarre name. It's a Chrome extension. But what this does is if a client phones you up, so you're actually on the phone, you enable Crank Wheel and it, um, it creates a, a short link. So I can't remember what it is, but it's very, very short. And you read it out to them over the phone and then they type that into their browser. And whilst you're speaking on the phone, they can see what you're doing on your screen. Um, right. and, and and there's no audio because the whole point of it is you're already on the phone. And yeah. I, I've, I found that to be really useful as well. So, you know, you, you, they phoned you up. There's a problem. Right. Go to this link and we'll fix it. And I'll show you how to do it for next time. That's been quite good. Um, but, yeah, video. Absolutely brilliant. And that moves us on to testing bot. Testingbot.com. I think we're probably, from its name, have a vague idea of what this is. What? Why do you... Why do you use this? So some of the larger sites, um, when they've got a lot of, say, custom features and functions, it's there for um, manual testing and automated testing. 
and both of them also record a video. So if you've done an, written an automated test script, it will automatically test. It could be a contact form, for example, or a big application form. It would submit it, record a video, but then you could then assign that set of rules to different devices, different browsers. So if we get a, re a request that it's, you know, the site's got to be built for a IE 9, 10 and 11 compatibility or things like that, we can then spin up one of those machines. It records the videos um, for ongoing work and support after if we ever deploy in any updates um, we can use that and run automated tests and something we're looking to um, roll out this year is linking it with things like Bitbucket where we can um, deploy uh, before we deploy the code it can set off a, an automated test if it fails it won't deploy if it passes then it goes into the deploy pipeline so, uh, you know, very handy tool for us. Yeah. So do, when you say you write these little tests, this is, how is that done? Do you, is there like a, a GUI, a, a user interface where you, you tell it what the URL, URL is and then you sort of highlight, okay, I want that field filling in. It's a text field. I want that field filling in. It's a submit button. And I want to check for this, this um, I don't know, this text message coming back returned. Or how, how do you even set up these tests? So that... Um We've been using a thing called Selenium, which is like, um, forgive me, again, not myself been doing it, but it's like a, a framework for testing okay. um, that you would write that sends to testing bot. Um, from there, you would tell it to look out for classes and IDs. Oh, okay, and, right. And, that's how, and then you'll tell it to input this, and what's the expected result? Is it going to be yes? yes or no or foul, go to the next page. It, that's how it generally works. And at the end of it, it's, it will provide you the feedback, pass or foul. And I think in some cases, if it fails, you can then send off notifications through Slack or email that things have, have failed and so on. Okay, so basically it's keeping you aware. And obviously with the Bitbucket integration, it's, it's alerting you before you push something which ultimately breaks. But it's keeping you aware of of the well, it's like a sort of care plan thing, isn't it? You know, this site is working. We can prove it's still working. The tests that we set up are, are passing every time. What about the, the whole manual thing? Do you ever actually get human beings? Because this company apparently does it. One of their their strapline is automated and manual browser testing. Do you actually ever get physical human beings to sit down and do this stuff? We've um, presented it to clients as an option, mm. so. It's the one that we've it's, it's usertesting.com. I think they charge you to set up a, I want to, how many people, and you can select sort of the demographic and everything else that you want. And then you get real time based recordings and again, screen recordings as well of someone using a site. And you can set tasks as well. I want someone to buy a product and then they carry out that journey. But again, it just adds from a client's perspective, you've got, you know, already a, a quite a long list of, of you know, largely part of the process and then you're going to add something a further testing sort of budget it for, depends on know, the client i suppose users. if the clients say on the budget say they've got the timeline there then it's always a nice thing to get that manual test and feedback mm. same as if you were going to go along the lines of accessibility tests and i remember when we went to WordCamp last year forgive me i can't remember the company but they specialized in that manual accessibility and disability testing for mm. feedback mm. you know if you've got the client and the, and the requirements in, in there and the budget, then the more testing, the merrier, because you can never test enough. Well, we said the dream site earlier was, uh, you know, you'd have everything in the process. You'd have copywriters and photographers and yeah. videographers, but you've the client timeline budget and you've always got, you know, Something, always yeah. fighting somewhere. Yeah, and this is one of those things where it, it you know, nice to have it, um, but not necessarily uh, essential. I do like it. It's a great, you know, if, you, if you're an enterprise client and you've paid really good money for your site to be built this stuff i think would be de rigueur you know you're not going to miss out on this and the, the whole manual thing and listening to what somebody says and watching the flow of the cart because you know people skipping their their shopping cart and leaving it and abandoning it that could be costing you millions if somebody yeah. simply doesn't understand what to do next and also it gives you i suppose as a website the the, the you know the, the nice kickback of this is you also as a as a web designer and a developer get a bit of information about okay next time we'll do it that way first um you know we 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 didn't do that as well as we could have done uh yeah fascinating another tool might throw in there that's more of a, a post launch tool that we didn't put in was is hot jar that you might have heard of ah now. yes 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 indeed so for heat maps 
big time for recording, you know, um, heat maps and videos of what the users are doing and so on, and you can tag it specifically and stuff like that. Have you ever watched those actually happening live? It's curious watching it, isn't it? It's really, I feel a bit, feel a bit weird watching people on, on websites um, as they're browsing around and seeing what they're doing. But it's a great way that um, if you're looking for an after-sale yeah. technique, the site's live, it's functional, you know, you're, you're getting traffic to it, to be able to look at what people are doing. And if you've got, you know, you've, you've done A-B testing on a home page, you said, I think this is going to be the best version, or you've, you've discussed internally that this is the page layout, and then you find out that the user is not doing the expected journey that you want to yeah, do. Or perfect. The the journey Absolutely, yeah. Five we uh, if the client if the client we've got time we we generally um, when we're onboarding the new client hopefully nine times out of ten they've got Google Analytics to look at traffic but if they've got the window we like installing Hotjar anyway for a month just to review what the data on the current site is doing before you even consider like the redevelopment. Absolutely so, right. That, that was going to be my next point is you've got to have data. You can't just sort of put Hotjar on or the whatever rival you're using and then two days later go back and get anything meaningful. <laughs> you've got to wait and wait. And then actually it is amazing how quickly it comes in and suddenly the whole screen's red and you think, oh God, <laughs> they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> the whole screen is red. Uh, yeah, brilliant, brilliant suggestion. There's um, There's just been a, a product out on one of the sort of website deal sites called Cux, C-U-X dot I-O, which does a, a very similar thing. Uh, maybe that's one to check out as well. And then the final one on the list of uh, software uh, as a service or apps to use is Bitbucket. I don't suppose we need to dwell on that too much. It's version control and sort of repository for things. Anything particular about that you'd like to talk about? Um, obviously, we probably use it like everyone else. We've obviously keep versions of the code. Um, just a thing this year, like we're looking to deploy like more the pipeline for rather than a straight deploy. We're going to link in to review code because we are working with more third parties. They mm. might be completing code uh, code for code reviews. Yep. And that's where um, looking to integrate this, this, this testing bot um, as well. Oh, I see. So it knows. Yeah, don't commit because it's failed. Yeah, that that is yeah. a really nice step, actually. I, I think that's really ingenious. And then we've got, um, we're going to change tack completely. And now we're suddenly, we're changing to WordPress uh, itself. And we're talking about plugins that we've used. And you've got a, a list of, what have we got? Two, three, four, five, five or six WordPress plugins that you've used that you like um, this project, this project needed. What are your, um, what are the ones that you're going to mention? So um, one of the requirements here um, for the 25 websites is it um, needed to be multilingual. We had to do 13 languages in the end, which the client got translated. And, and WPML was our plugin of choice. Moreover, compatibility with other plugins uh, right. at the time of, of it could have been Gravity Forms and so on, because I know there's some other great plugins out there. But it's been a, a fantastic plugin for us. Um, helped us obviously a, a lot with the translations. Um, one of the biggest things with this particular project that we worked on, um, this this phase two, phase three approach I mentioned. The, the phase two was like let's say the King Ding setup, and we managed to get it translated from English into another twelve languages, taking it to thirteen. And then the aim of that was then to deploy it for the rest of the world, which goes on to how we cloned it, yep. and that's NS Cloner that we found to be a fantastic plugin that allowed us to literally clone the site we wanted, set up the, obviously, URLs. It does the URL rewrites itself um, and managed to deploy it a, a lot quicker in a multi-site environment. Yeah, I mean, I confess I've never even heard of this one, NS Cloner. So it's... Um... And so it's wp.org forward slash plugins, ns hyphen cloner hyphen site hyphen copier. Um, cool. I mean, I know that like cloning, I mean, there's a million ways of doing this, you know, from the command line right through to probably a hundred different plugins. This one never seen before, but I know it's hard to do the, the whole like sucking out a multi-site site uh, individually, um, and a lot of plugins simply don't do that. And, and you've been happy, no fails, no, no, no it's gotchas. Been absolutely fantastic. And the, the reason we used that is because the, the direction of the, or the requirements slightly changed from where we were going to slowly release, say, five websites for the, for the rest of the world over a certain period. And the requirement changed to actually deploy all their sites at the same time to give them a window to populate 
their products, recipes, news, and so on. So that's when it was kind of like, okay, let's, you know, we'll, we'll take this on. Never, you know, personally never done it before that, you know, that scale, found the plugin, managed to clone it 23 times, and everyone's been fine logging in, putting their content in, you Very know, nice. in, in a quick time frame as well. Yeah, headache gone and free, presumably, if it's on the WordPress yeah, well, repo. Yeah, we, we did use the paid one, but in all honesty, we didn't actually use the features. <laughs> done it. Still... Good to um, good to give Never Settle, who looks like the developer for this, the uh, the, the cash, I suppose, just to keep that stuff going because it's great. Um, yeah, never used it, never heard of it, but I'm glad, I'm glad to have come across a new one because it's always nice to have a few um, up your sleeve. And then the next one, we all know, we've all heard of this one, Gravity Forms. Any reason that one over another one? Is there some connection between yeah. that and WPML or compatibility that works? Yeah, a bit of WPML at the time. And I think we had tried contact form seven and other ones in the past. Um, what took us several years ago was we ended up using Gravity Forms for a very complex application process for a company. Mm -hmm. um, and we loved all its features. We trained clients on it and it just become easier. Yeah. Um, I know there's lots out there. They will have their pros and cons, but it went into it, you know, with their application forms, their contact forms and everything. And it's, you know, the client was also used to it using from their existing consumer facing site. So you're using Gravity Forms to get the data um, from the clients, are you? So this, this information oh, yes. that they're putting in is going through a Gravity Form? Uh, so for the client, Gravity Forms would have gone in. They've got a, a vacancy module in there. And then the submission of the application would have right. used Gravity Forms. Okay. Okay. Yeah, there's a whole heap of obvious yeah. options. You know, you've got WP Forms and Ninja Forms and Formidable and all of that kind of stuff. But I think you're right. If one works and you've got no problems with it, use it, stick with it, learn it, make, make you know, understand it truly very well. And then this one's nice. Um, presumably this is for the benefit of the client, not so much you. WP101, which is a suite of training videos that you can drop in and the client can watch. Is that... That's what you're using it for, I'm guessing. Yeah. So um, all the sites that we develop, it's very uh, – we generally would support them after anyways uh, with a support plan. And one of the parts of it is using WP101 in the back end for them to keep up to date with the latest WordPress videos. We do provide remote and on-site training, but if the client is onboarding new staff and training, they just come in very handy to go over the basics. Then – we use use Loom videos and actually use the WP101 custom video area to put in our own ones because, okay. you know, products area on this site that we launched, the recipes, they're not standard WordPress stuff. So they're videos that we've done that uses the WP101 plugin to, to put them in. Okay. Uh, so with WP101, I'm not a user, I'm not a subscriber. There's an option to actually drop in your own videos and it sits with their stack of videos but obviously they're they're custom to whatever it is that that you've built for them that's cool and then uh, white label cms do you um do you use this to sort of hide the existence of wordpress or are you happy saying this is wordpress what what are you doing with that so we're, we're pretty happy with saying it's wordpress um we put in client logos to make it a bit more personal to mm -hmm. them and the reason we use that for this particular project is our contact being uk was then the contact had to deploy with the rest of the world. So we needed to make an onboarding. This client would have had remote and on-site training and, you know, and so on. But obviously, it would be lovely to travel the world for training. Or, do, you know, or we could have done <laughs> a webinar. Or was, yeah. 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 And, <laughs> and done, there was lots of custom use Loom videos done on their site, all in English. They All the companies obviously spoke English, so it was fine. We didn't have to use any subtitles or anything. But then they went into the white label CMS. So as they logged in, they got a very clean dashboard without all the other you know stuff that loads. Your left-hand panel just had what they needed to because if it raised questions, our contact was going to be overwhelmed with feedback of things they didn't really need to know or understand. And that worked really, really well because – yeah, we've got some audit logins on the site and we can see when they're logging in, what pages are updated. We haven't spoke to them. They're using the videos. They're using the dashboard and, and populating their content. And they've not had any one-to-one -one WordPress training either. So it's been fantastic. Yeah. Again, there's a whole load of other options there, isn't there? I know that for WP101, you've got things like video user manuals and uh, white label CMS, which is also from the guys who make video user manuals. Um, there's things like, um, oh, white label. So, well, there's a whole bunch of other plugins, shall we say. I know that WPMU Dev do one called Brander. I think it's just been rebranded to. Um, and, and 
all sorts. I can't even remember the names of them off, off off the top of my head, but I know that White Label CMS is a nice straightforward one. It's just been updated, so uh, so there's obviously a lot of work gone into that recently. That is cool. Do you know? Do you know? We've been talking for fifty minutes, and it seems like about eight. Um, but that's it. That's your process. That is a really interesting set of tools, um, and it. It, like I said right at the top, completely different to mine. I'm me. There's just me. I've got nobody to report to except me and the clients. So I have a completely different set of things that I use. No doubt whoever is listening to this will go, yeah, I use that. I use that. I don't use that. I don't use that. But they, they look like interesting tools. What I'll do is I'll put all the all the links in the show notes if you want to go and click on them and f- download, find, use. And I'm sure that um, Martin and James will make themselves available when this podcast goes live. Thanks for coming on today, guys. Just before we finish, I always leave two or three minutes if you want to drop a Twitter handle or a promotional bit of content or, you know, your web address, whatever. Uh, the floor is yours. Talk about yourselves. Yeah, so uh, Impact Media. Um, we are brothers, as you can probably mention. Um, we're a dedicated um, Sorry, they, they can't see us. It's an audio mark. <laughs> Actually, I don't know. If you stood next to each other, I wouldn't have pinned you as brothers anyway. <laughs> a dedicated WordPress agency. And, and we managed to be fortunate enough to get involved with WordPress in around 2008. Um, we initially started bolting it in as a blog. a blog, as you do, with kind of some custom, let's say, not very good CMSs at the time until WordPress come come out, and then obviously nowadays everything's built from WordPress. We were upwards. building our own <laughs> CMS at the time, yes. And uh, so our, our um, typical approach is to provide clients a, a, a custom solution, which generally take their existing website to the next level. So they might have had a site that's restricted. They might need to integrate with a third-party system. They might need some custom page templates designed, and that generally comes over to our flow of obviously designing that from the you know from, if, uh, from the ground up. Basically, uh, we usually see it as a, a kind of there's four kind of types of businesses, and you've got this this stage one business that um, is a startup, and they generally want to want to carry out projects themselves they might not need, really need to know or want to understand what they need from the website so anything's going to serve them as a purpose until people start hitting their website and they start seeing the value in a contact form or this needs to do this and this needs to talk to that then they start going to the next stage where they might be looking at something like wordpress themes and templates where again there might be an off-the-shelf solution that is going to serve their industry and like Martin said, it's when you say, I don't know, you're an estate agent, for example, and you want to bolt it into your um, back-end CRM system. So when you're uploading um, properties, they're going automatically on right move and on your website at the same time. That's when you might need that next level sort of capability. And that's mm-hmm. when you speak to someone like ourselves. Very cool. So James and Martin Coates from impactmedia.co.uk, thank you so much for coming on and tell us, tell, telling us all about your, your process of your latest build. Nice one. Cheers, guys. Thanks thank very you. much. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. That was certainly refreshing. It was very nice to chat through these problems and solutions, I may add, with somebody other than David. So, yeah, really nice to chat to James and Martin Coates. I don't know how it is that they managed to uh, to be brothers and work together and still be friendly, but they seem to manage it well enough. Hopefully you've got some useful tips in there. Perhaps you've written down some new tools. If not, everything that we mentioned pretty much is in the show notes. So if you go over to wpbuilds.com, you'll be able to, to find the podcast in the podcast archive. And, uh, and you should therefore be able to click on links to go to the tools that were mentioned. The WP Builds podcast is brought to you today by WP and Up. One in four of us will be directly affected by mental health-related illness. WP and Ops supports and promotes positive mental health within the WordPress community. This is achieved through mentorship, events, training and counselling. Please help enable WP and Op by visiting wpandop.org forward slash give. Okay, that's it. We will be back next Thursday for a brand new podcast. We'll also be back on Monday for two reasons. The first one will be our weekly WordPress news roundup. We have an audio version of that, which comes out very early in the morning, UK time. It's about 20 to 30 minutes long, and I sum up the WordPress news. But also we have at 2 p.m. UK time, we have the live version where we talk through that news with some special guests. So join us for any and all of those things. And all I've got to do now is fade in some cheesy music and say bye-bye for now. (laughs) 